find something that has good bone, something that you can fix up yourself if you need to, then put it on the market instead of something that would take an enormous amount of work and construction. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? Do you need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available? Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak. He's been on the show multiple times and they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank and a whole bunch of others with us today, Cheryl Eisen. How you doing, Cheryl? Great. Hi, everyone. Nice to have you on the show, and everyone is giving you a collective hello back. I'm just feeling it for them. A little bit about Cheryl. She is the president of Interior Marketing Group, which is a premier luxury real estate staging firm, and recently expanded to turnkey furniture rental and interior design services. She helps move billions of real estate each year with doing $1 billion in real estate in 2016 alone. Some clients include Kim and Kanye West, Ivanka Trump, Paris Hilton, a whole bunch of other famous people. So with that being said, Cheryl, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. I started about 10 years ago by selling real estate for the Corcoran Group. And I realized that it's very hard to sell real estate in New York City when there's so many great brokers to compete with. So I decided to start staging the properties, which is something I'd seen on TV. And as I started staging, my selling got more successful. And the brokers were saying, who staged this property? Can you stage mine? And I quickly became the stager to go to in real estate. And that's sort of where I made my name. So with staging, it's got to be an art and a science. I imagine, I don't know. I'm guessing there's an art and a science to it. So how do you successfully stage a property? I think it's just understanding marketing principles. I think it's that simple. I don't have any design background. I just sort of was watching what buyers were responding to in terms of what would make them buy a property one over the other. And it was really how they connected with a space. So when I look at a space, I try to figure out what's going to feel comfortable and homey to them without alienating them. And that's sort of how I design a space. So it's not so much what looks pretty. It's actually what will buyers react to and not react to. So we stay away from those things which are like taste-specific things like colors. But people respond to whites and sort of like ethereal things and comfort, space, light. So those are the ways in which I learned how to design for buyers. I know since this is an audio interview versus us being in front of maybe a PowerPoint where you can show before and after pictures. It can be a little challenging, but I'd love if you could to give us an example of a before and after of what a place looked like before and then what you did 
afterwards specifically? A lot of times the most impact I think we make is when we get something called an estate condition property, which is a property where it hasn't been touched since the 70s or 60s. I think everyone's seen one of those with the Formica tabletops and like falling apart bathrooms and the walls sort of crumbling. One of the things that makes such an impact on those properties is when we come in, we paint everything, put beautiful light fixtures in, beautiful furnishings and rugs. And it totally transforms a space into a place that you can actually envision moving right into versus sort of a crumbling shell of a place that existed in the 60s and 70s. You can actually paint almost anything, tabletops, cabinets. And when you add beautiful light fixtures as well, it starts to feel new. Hmm. If that's a good visual, I'm not sure. Yeah, it is. It is. You said earlier that you got no design background. You said that, right? That's correct. I have no design background. And if you told me, hey, Joe, we got a new client, go in there, paint everything white or neutral colors, I guarantee you, I still wouldn't pick out the right color gray. Like, <laughs> So just going a little bit deeper, how did you know the details of the items? It was actually trial and error. Again, when I watched buyers, I saw what they responded to, what colors they seemed to respond to, what sort of furniture they seemed to respond to, what type of things actually enhanced an apartment versus distracted from it. So I started using those items. And with paint color specifically, there's so many shades of gray. Some of them turn blue or green or purple. And I learned actually by having a place turn completely purple, which gray is <laughs> not to use. <laughs> and we had to totally repaint and paint and find the grays. And so now I stick to that palette. I also stick to certain types of furniture that I see works in almost every space. Low profile furniture, not too period specific. And sort of simple rules if you follow. It's pretty easy. So it sounds like it's to be as neutral as possible versus picking one angle and going all in on that angle. Correct. I think neutral homes are appealing to a broad audience. And the whole goal when you're selling real estate is to have broad appeal versus like 10% of the population would be interested in this space. Even if the color blue alienates 4% of the population, why take that risk? So we stick with neutral tones, but we layer them with different textures velvet and sort of fluff and beautiful woven fabric. And this makes it feel deeper and more sophisticated, but without distracting your eye with tons of things to look at, like colors and trees and anything like that. Outside of paint colors, when you walk into an apartment, because you're in New York, right? New York City. Mm -hmm. So we're primarily talking about New York City apartments. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So until you dominate the world, right? Exactly. <laughs> so New York City apartments, let's say you walk into one that you haven't staged, but someone has attempted to stage it and you just find yourself shaking your head and maybe smiling like, oh my gosh, why did they think that was a good idea? What would be that example? I've seen that happen actually. About 18% of our work is bad staging that we have to come in and completely redo. And what bad staging is, from what I've seen in New York in any event, is where they're trying to just decorate a home like a decorator instead of doing it for a buyer. So what you're looking at is the furniture, the art on the walls, and not the beautiful home or the views or the selling points of the actual home. You're distracted by the actual furniture. 
That's one big mistake people make. And the other one, I think, is when it's staged and it really looks staged. It looks cold, like you're trying to fool someone with some furniture in there. And I think that does the opposite of what we wanted to do, which is really look like a home, something soft and something you want to just plop into, into a bedroom, for example. So there's a fine line between overdoing it and underdoing it. But I think the right staging really makes a huge difference. So now, if we can, let's draw parallels to an apartment building owner who has a model unit that he or she shows to prospective renters. What would be some tips that you have for him or her when they go to stage that unit for prospective renters? I remember when I was looking for rental apartments in New York City. Firstly, it's a very sobering process because things are so small. Mm -hmm. But when you first walk into a rental building, I think it just feels so sterile and rental. The walls are white. It's very stark. When I see model apartments that are done well in rental apartments, it's because they're finished. Put some paint on the wall. It looks like it's warm and home. Maybe even some wallpaper. Floor to ceiling shears sort of flanking the windows really makes a big difference. It feels flowy. It makes you want to walk over there. So showing uh, how to use space that you can actually put a desk here by the bed. It's not just a tiny little bedroom. Then people can understand how they function in a space. Where's the TV going to go is one of the main things people ask. So you sort of show them by placing it. I'm sure that you might not come across this as much now because you've got some high-profile clients you've worked with and you're well-established. But at the beginning of this, I bet you came across a lot of, yeah, I can do staging myself or, okay, fine. You want to stage it, then I'll give you 10 bucks. And you had to really qualify why they should pay you to stage and how you can make them more money. First off, am I correct in that assessment? You are. And even in the luxury space, it still happens. Okay. So what's your response to that? Well, in the beginning, when I first started, I really had to do proof of concept. So I had to start by investing in it myself. I said, let me stage this. My first listing, in fact, was a one-bedroom apartment. The seller tried to stage himself and tried to sell himself. It was on the market for like a year. didn't sell. No offers. So I said, let me just try this thing. Let me list this apartment, but let me totally redo it. So I totally redid it with IKEA furniture and paint and accessories. And the first day on the market... It sold for full ask and they wanted everything in it. So I started to build an ROI, a return on investment. And there are also plenty of statistics on return on investment for staging, which prove the concept immediately. So I love to give those statistics. It's the real hard evidence. But also what I like to do is bring them to one of our listings that's staged in person. So they understand the emotional reaction one would have when they walk into a home that's beautifully staged versus an empty space or even like a badly staged space. And that's how I sort of justify why the investment's important. What's the ROI go-to stat that you use? It's different every year, but I think things sell for, I think, 34% more than unstaged homes, sell for 34% more than unstaged homes. And they sit on the market half the time. So the statistics are very strong. And formula seems to follow the same statistics. So you can really do the numbers if you analyze tons of data in your little metro area. Mm -hmm. And where do you get the data from in order to look at stage versus unstage selling prices? Radney has a website, and I think there's a real estate staging association. But also 
Rebney, the Real Estate Board of New York, has statistics at the end of each year. And if you put in Excel or analyze the data, you can figure it out. Do you have music? Do I have music? Yeah, do you have music in your apartments when you stage them? Oh, how funny. I liked to put in soft jazz for a while, but I found people wanted to hear what was outside. So we have to turn it off because buyers or renters, they want to hear how loud it is outside the window. Do you hear birds chirping or cars honking? So I think that's an important selling part. I stopped doing that. Okay. We do, however, like to have a candle burning, but a very subtle one. So it doesn't seem like you're trying to hide anything, but it does put a person in a soothing mood. And that's been proven too from psychology things. So we like to do that. Where do you put the candle? We put it in the foyer. So the second you open the door, you're hit with like a very calming scent. Mm. Interesting. Do you think the people wanting to hear the outside noise is specific to New York versus if you're in Dallas, Texas, you can have some jazz on? That must be the case. But then you want to make sure that it's a type of music that no one's going to be irritated by. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are irritated by jazz. So you have to do the broad appeal thing anyway. But in, I think it is specific to New York or any city where there's a lot of noise outside the windows in most cases. Right. I think in a home, in the suburbs, there might just be crickets, and that's okay. Based on your experience in staging and just as a professional in general in real estate, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors in terms of staging? When you're looking at a property to invest in, I would say don't get a property that needs an enormous amount of work. It's too much to do. It keeps it off the market too long. But find something that with some paint and some beautiful light fixtures and some staging, it can go on the market immediately, whether renting or selling. So find something that has good bones something that you can fix up yourself if you need to, then put it on the market instead of something that would take an enormous amount of work and construction. And I know you've said this a couple times, but I've been taking notes and just so I make sure I have it in my notes. When you go into an apartment to stage, what are the maybe three or four things you absolutely will make sure that you do? I have some go-to things. For example, you can never have enough giant mirrors in a staging. You put it across from a window, for example, and suddenly there's double the window space, double the space in general, which gives a feeling of more space, and double the light. And these are things that buyers respond to. So giant mirrors, and they don't have to be expensive. You can get them at Ikea. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is a paint color because it'll look finished. As soon as you walk in, there should be a paint color, like a neutral. They're very subtle, nothing overwhelming. So that's number two. And number three is light fixtures. They really make a home feel more custom, more unique. And they also create ambient lighting. So those are the three things I always add. It doesn't have to be expensive. I love it. That's incredibly helpful. All right, we're going to do a lightning round. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. Okay. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with bestselling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com. 
forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. Here we go. Best ever way to get Kim and Kanye as a client. Oh, wow. To get them as a client, you just have to know the people that work for them. There will be someone who is known by the people that work for them. It's all about that. Best ever way to build a business in real estate from the ground up. Let me be more specific. Best ever skill set to have in order to be successful in building a real estate business. I would say patience because it doesn't happen quickly. Somebody who understands ROI, how much it's going to take to sell a place and redo it or put it back on the market. Someone who understands the market and the macroeconomics of a market, if that's helpful. People who are smart can almost be successful in anything they endeavor to do. Best ever book you've read? I just read The Startup Playbook by David Kidder. It's just a great book for entrepreneurs in general. It's a compilation of tons of famous entrepreneurs, Elon Musk, Sheryl Sandberg, and it's very palatable and digestible because they just give advice on little specific moments, lessons they've learned. And I just think it's really great. It helped me a lot in growing my business. Best ever way you'd like to give back to the community? I love personally mentoring women, letting them see how they can realize their potential. This is something I'm personally passionate about. I think this next generation should be breaking the glass ceiling. Still, even now that there's a record hit, there's still less than like 7% of women CEOs running Fortune 500 companies. That number should change, in my opinion, and I'm very passionate about that. And best ever way the best ever listeners can either get in touch with you or learn more about your company? Well, you can visit our website at imgnyc.com. I'm also on Facebook, Cheryl Eisen. I'm on Instagram, Cheryl Eisen. And uh, I respond to people when they reach out. Love to give advice. Great. You're everywhere, apparently. Cheryl, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking about how you've built your business in a very specific category. And it started by selling real estate and then seeing, hey, there's a lot of competition. And what's the book? Blue Ocean Strategy, I believe. You go build a business where there's not a lot of competition. Otherwise, it's a red ocean, a lot of blood in the water. This really is an example of the Blue Ocean Strategy And the tips that you gave, the three that stood out to me that you summarized at the end, one can never have enough giant mirrors, put them across the window so it doubles the space, doubles the light, doubles everything that they love. Second is the paint color, have a very subtle paint color. And third is the light fixtures so that it makes the home feel more custom, more unique. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your advice. Hope you have a best ever day. And Cheryl, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end of the work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. 
Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.